Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about the subject of lying. I would imagine that all of us have heard the statement in one way or another that everybody lies. And I suppose that it is safe to say that at some point in our lives, pretty much everybody has told a lie. But I deny that everybody makes a practice of it. That is just simply not true. And if it were, it would be an absolute tragedy. Why do I say that? Well, consider Revelation 21 and verse 8, where John wrote the following. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is no such thing as a little white lie that is somehow not significant or less serious in God's eyes. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Exactly how God feels about all forms of lying is made pretty clear in this passage. It says there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among brothers. What does the word lie mean? It can be used as a noun and as a verb. Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary provides the following definitions that would be pertinent to what we're talking about in this episode. One is a false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive, an intentional untruth, a falsehood. Two, something intended or serving to convey a false impression. Three, an inaccurate or false statement. When used as a verb, it can mean to speak falsely or utter untruth knowingly, as with intent to deceive, also to express what is false, convey a false impression, and also to bring about or affect by lying, often used reflectively, to lie oneself out of a difficulty, accustomed to lying his way out of difficulties. There are several more definitions, but these will suffice. You know, I've often wondered why a person will lie. It seems that a reason that would encompass most of the lying that is done would be to somehow benefit the liar. That occurs in a lot of different ways. I'm thinking about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Let's go ahead and read the account to refresh our memories. That's Acts chapter 5 beginning with verse 1 and continuing through verse 11. The passage says, But a certain man named Ananias, 
with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and kept back some of the price for himself, with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. And the young men arose and covered him up, and after carrying him up, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they shall carry you out as well. And she fell immediately at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. These two individuals, Ananias and Sapphira, lied. The only benefit to be derived would be that they would be perceived to be benevolent and generous. And as is the case with all lies, it was totally unnecessary. Peter specifically said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And also you have not lied to men but to God. There is an important point to be noticed there. Obviously, Ananias had in fact lied to men. But ultimately, every sin, including lying, is against God. This exchange between Peter and Ananias also helps us to understand just exactly who the liar is acting like. It harkens back to a statement that Jesus made of certain of the Jews in John chapter 8, verses 43 through 45. The Lord said, Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. People will frequently lie in a reflective attempt to extricate themselves from trouble. Little children do this all the time. Did you eat that cookie? As they stand there with chocolate covering their face, they say, No, I didn't do it. Those kids are in the process of learning what is right and what is wrong. The tragedy is adults who don't seem to have learned that yet. Frequently, when folks are confronted with the statement they made that puts them in a bad light, the reflective lie, I didn't say that, will be said. I will never forget a time when a particular friend of mine, a preacher at the time, found himself embroiled in some controversy over positions he was taking. I defended him initially because he was my friend, but the more I heard of his statements and the more I read from his pen, I was compelled to call him and ask him direct questions about what he was teaching. When he did, or when I did, he was very open about his beliefs and teaching, I guess figuring that since I was a friend, everything was okay. 
Once the telephone call was completed, I thought about it for maybe half an hour, and I called him back. I told my friend that I could no longer support him because he was teaching things that were not true. When he asked what, I repeated as word for word as I possibly could what he had told me less than an hour earlier. His response with each item was, I didn't say that. He was lying because he most certainly had, but now he was losing an ally. Think about Peter. He perceived that his life was in danger if he told the truth, so he lied. Saving his life is what he saw as the benefit. Look at Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 60. We know the story, but it is interesting to see how, how with even such a good man, the temptation was there. And having arrested him, the passage tells us, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. And after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down, Peter was sitting among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later another saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a cock crowed. You remember Jehazi, the servant of Elijah? We see in him the same kind of reflective lie to get himself out of trouble in 2 Kings 5, as well as a well-thought-out, premeditated lie concocted with effort and planning. When Elijah healed the captain of the army of Syria, Naaman, Naaman desired to give him something for his healing. He said, please take a present from your servant now. Elijah's response was, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. Now let's pick up reading in 2 Kings 5 and verse 20. But Jehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, thought, Behold, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian, not receiving from his hands what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Jehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. There was a premeditated, well-thought-out lie. But let's continue on in verse 23. And Naaman said, Be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of clothes and gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them before him. When he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, where have you been, Jehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. There was the reflective lie. Told to get himself out of trouble with his master, it didn't work, and Jehazi became a leper. 
suffering from the very disease of which Naaman had been cured. No lie works ultimately, whether it is a reflective spur-of-the-moment attempt to keep or get one out of trouble, or if it's a premeditated lie resulting from much effort and planning, as was the case with the Jewish leaders creating the story that the disciples of Jesus came by night and stole them away while the soldiers were sleeping in Matthew 28 and verse 13. Either way, reflective spur of the moment or premeditated, it is a sin. People will lie to do harm to someone else. I suppose this still fits into the realm of lying to benefit the liar, but it is clearly a subset. Consider what was done at the trial of Jesus in Matthew 26, verses 59 through 61. There we find, now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. And they did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Something very similar happened to Stephen in Acts chapter 6, verses 9-14. through 14. That passage says, But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. And yet they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. These were lies meant to do harm to Stephen and to help the leaders of the Jews to achieve their desires. I also believe that I have met people who lie because that's just what they do. They lie even when the truth wouldn't hurt them at all. They have not told the truth for so long that lying is now their normal mode of operation. With some folks that I have met, I'm not even altogether sure that they realize that they're lying anymore. They might not realize it, but God certainly does. Every lie is a sin and an affront to God. However, lies by those who call themselves Christians just seem particularly odious. But Christians of all people ought to be pure, holy, honest, and trustworthy enough to tell the truth. Paul instructed Christians in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In Colossians 3, 9, and 10, he wrote, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. There simply is no place for lying in anyone's life. Particularly is that so for a Christian. We know that honesty is not just the best policy, it is the only policy acceptable with God. I think that that is the point Jesus was making when he said, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything beyond these is of evil. 
It is simply that when we speak, there should be nothing additional that is necessary to prove that what we have said is the truth. Simply speak the truth and avoid lying and be pleasing to God. Thanks for listening.